Welcome to yet another action-packed episode of Got Faded Japan. I am your host, Johnny. And I'm your other host, Jeremy Deschner. That's right. And as you fine folks know, Got Faded Japan is about two dudes. Booze. Japan and the news. Yes, and faders, I apologize. I sincerely apologize because it's a little early in the morning and we can't get our fade on. So we are drinking very, very strong black coffee. Hi, Kampai Coffee. Coffee Kampai, everybody. Coffee Kampai. I've got yeah. myself a, a big old bottle of, uh, of oolong cha, just Chinese tea. That's it. Chinese tea is pretty good, especially when you add a little shochu. <laughs> it's really good yeah, stuff. Well, this, this one's this one's a this one I can drive after drinking this one. This one's no no alcohol. This is just tea, straight up tea. I I think my coffee is so strong that I can't drive for a week. <laughs> I can't sleep <laughs> for a week either. <laughs> oh man. And <clears throat> faders, this is episode number 611. Yes, that's right. 611 weeks of fading with you. And Faders, it is my great honor to introduce to the show a man who was an FBI agent for over 25 years. And in that time, he explored the unexplorable. He uncovered the uncoverable. And some of his discoveries became the themes of episodes of a little show you might remember called The X-Files. This man has also written such fascinating books as the para-investigators, the extra-dimensionals, and the clear hearers. John Souza, welcome to the show. Oh, thank you, Johnny. It is great to be here with you and with Jeremy on uh, Fade, Fading Japan. Got Faded Japan. <laughs> got, got Faded. And I still want to ask you, what does that mean, Got Faded Japan? You are the third person, the third guest to ask us what Got Faded Japan means. And um, getting faded means hanging out with your friends, hanging out with your bros, having a couple of beers, a couple of sakes, a couple of shochus, and just shooting the shit and having a good time. And uh, mm. we fade with people from all over the world in every single country. And in fact, in North Korea, there's one person. I don't know who it is, but we get one little bleep in North Korea. So somebody there is listening to the show. So we get people from everywhere, everywhere. <laughs> <laughs> we cool. we're not racist we're not fascist we're not anything is we fade with anybody anybody and everybody if you got a smile and you got a good time in your heart we're fading with you <laughs> that's awesome and i'm really happy to and i'm really uh surprised to say that i never would have thought i'd hear somebody say we get a little blip in north korea as a positive thing but i'm glad i did get to hear it and it's pretty cool man it's pretty awesome. Yeah. So I'd like to tell your audience, 
I'm so happy to be here with you guys. Uh, I am John D'Souza, uh, uh, FBI Special Agent, retired, uh, and uh, I have been uh, all over the world uh, talking about these paranormal cases and all of these uh, amazing topics that, uh, that we talk about all the time and things that are so important uh, and that are developing all the time. And I have a very special uh, bond to Japan because Japan is a country that is unlike the United States, it is very connected to their, to their own supernatural roots and their own supernatural beliefs and experiences. And they're actually allowed to talk about them. And I've never seen that in the United States. I mean, for the most part. So that's why I always, I, I became so interested in Japan and Japanese culture and how free and easy and casual they are about these topics, about UFOs, about spirits and ghosts and paranormal topics of all types. And that's why, uh, Johnny, I had to seek you out and be on your show because this is stuff that I absolutely love and I enjoy and I, I always want to share with the Japanese people as well. Thank you so much. It's so great to hear that. Well. Um, John, without further ado, I know we don't have too much time, so I want to just jump into who you are and what you do. So I'm going to start off with the first questions. Um, why did you become an FBI agent and how did you get promoted to the X-Files? I wanted to become an FBI agent because uh, when I was a kid, my, my mom told me I had to get some kind of an important job and something really interesting and like a doctor or a lawyer. Uh, so that was in her mind that those were the most important jobs that there were. Uh, so I thought, well, I could become, I can't become a doctor. I can become a, an a lawyer, an attorney. Uh, and then I did become an attorney. And then I found out that one of the FBI's favorite categories uh, for special agents is attorneys and accountants and teachers and former military officers. Uh, so that kind of became my way to get in uh, to the FBI to become an attorney. And so I did do that. And uh, then, and I always had a very strong investigative sense, even as a, even as a kid. Uh, it's always something that I always had. Uh, so when I got into the FBI, when I went to the FBI Academy, uh, you know, Johnny, we were talking about don't meet your heroes. Uh, yeah. I happened to meet uh, my, one of my great heroes. Uh, which was uh, a man that is known, he was a legendary FBI agent, and he was in charge of our academy at that time. And he uh, was a guy who uh, was the person who was the hero, uh, the hero of the Miami shootout in 1985. He's a guy who uh, took out a couple of really, uh, a really bad character serial killers who came in and killed a bunch of FBI agents and and uh, police officers at the Miami shootout. And he actually uh, was blown, had his arm blown apart uh, by a shotgun. And he actually came back on these two, these two serial killers where they were bank robbers. Uh, and they were also serial killers at that time. Uh, and he came back on them with one arm and a shotgun and which he then, which he loaded. And then he killed the two, the two bank robbers. He killed them with the shotgun and his sidearm, all with one only one arm functioning. So that's amazing. 
he brought an end to that whole situation. And he always was known as a legendary FBI agent after that. Anyway, he was in charge of the academy uh, at that time when I went through. Uh, I was asking a lot of questions about a story. And I know this is this is this gets a little long, but I'll I'll get it. Uh, go for quickly. it, go for it. Yeah, uh, I I started asking questions about the Miami shootout because there was a supernatural element to it. And I started asking questions when I was going through the academy. And that was his legacy. So what happened was I talked to a couple of deputies that actually worked that case. The, the great Miami shootout when it occurred, because everyone always wanted to find out how the two hillbilly um, bank robbers, how they actually did what they did, because they were they came to a sh uh, an alley where they were hemmed in by FBI cars. Uh, they were crashed and hemmed in. And then they got out of their cars and they came out for bear, basically. And they were they were shot to pieces. They were all shot by FBI agents and cops that were ready and they were shot to pieces, but they still kept coming. Like nothing happened. They kept coming and they came forward and they shot a few FBI, they shot several FBI agents and police officers and they killed them. They, they killed them all. And meanwhile, they were being shot themselves the whole time and people, and they basically made a circuit around a parking lot and shot all the police officers in there and then got back into their cars and started leaving. And everyone wanted to know, this was before the Terminator movie even existed. So people wanted to know, how did they do that? How did they do that? And then at the last minute, as they were starting their car up to leave, uh, which they were shot through the heart, a couple, one of them was shot right through the heart and yet they were getting ready to leave. Then uh, the hero of the Miami shootout popped up with a shotgun and a sidearm and shot the two of them through the uh, medulla oblongata, the, the part that connects your spine to your brain. Mm -hmm. brain he stem. shot them. Yes, that's it. Shot them both through the brain stem. That's the only thing that finally killed, finally, finally killed them. Whoa. And that's what happened. Anyway, I was asking stories about that because I wanted to know how did they really do that? I talked to a couple of sheriff's deputies who were themselves becoming FBI agents at that time. And they worked that case. They said that they did searches on the subject's uh, apartments and that the way that they did it was that they were worshipers of the North, Norse gods. And they had little altars in their home, in their apartment, uh, a little where they did, um, they did sacrifices to the Norse god, incense and sacrifices to the incense to the Norse gods just before they came out on this, this roll into bank robbing. And they actually uh, were given berserker spirits that gave them the power because they weren't on any drugs they they did the the fbi did the toxicology on their blood they didn't even have beer they didn't even drink a beer before they did the they had no drugs at all nothing not marijuana nothing and they didn't even drink beer at the time that they went out uh, all they had was a little bit of nicotine because they smoked cigarettes constantly that was it so the great mystery at that time was how did they do what they did? Uh, and anyway, so I got to that conclusion because I talked to those sheriffs and they, they searched their apartment for drugs because they had the instructions. They had the instructions, go find, because the story that went out among the FBI and everybody else in the newspapers was that they were on um, something that was popular at the time, angel dust. PCP, angel yeah. Dust. Yeah, 
or horse tranquilizers, that that must have been, that had to be what they were on, for sure. It was absolute certainty. And FBI scientists told us this. And then it turned out to be a lie. It turned out to be a total lie because they did the toxicology on the blood and everything. Anyway, I had been asking about this. I got the real story. And then the hero, the hero of the Miami shootout found out. So he told me, he told me, listen, I'm going to make sure you never get through this academy. I, I believe that you're a New York Times reporter uh, posing as a candidate. Uh, and I'm going to make sure I get rid of you. So he and I went through some conflicts. And, uh, and it's like, never meet your heroes. Don't meet your heroes. Don't do it. Anyway, uh, he made it very difficult for me. Uh, there's a whole story behind that. I did get through the academy. And he was very unhappy when he finally had to give me my badge and my creds at the end at graduation. Uh, but what he did was when I went to my first office of assignment, he called them up and he told them, hey, you got this new FBI agent in your office. And uh, he like he seems to like something uh, paranormal cases. So because that's what he demonstrated here at the academy. And so I want to make sure that you guys load him up with anything you've got. Uh, old or new, anything, and give it to him and make sure he gets, keeps getting assigned those paranormal cases because they consider those cases a joke, basically, among real law enforcement. So his parting gift to me was to make sure that my office gave me paranormal cases as a punishment to teach me not to look into things that weren't any of my damn business. Yes, Jeremy. <laughs> okay. My biggest question is here is that you, you got all those paranormal cases. You got the ghosts, you got the aliens, you got the hauntings, you got the Loch Ness monsters, all of those cases. My question is in the background, how are those all connected? I mean, we understand that there's paranormal all around us and stuff like that. There's aliens, ghosts, whatnot, I mentioned. But are those things all connected in a way? Like, is there some, is there some source? Is there like a, a, a place where they all come from? Yes. Yeah, I, I believe there is. And I believe all those areas are connected. Uh, and they are connected by, in my opinion, the fact, what, what my investigations over the years have shown me is that they are, these areas are all connected. UFOs, uh, ghosts and spirits, Bigfoot, uh, crypto creatures, all of these areas are connected by extra dimensionality or some people call it uh, interdimensional. The fact that these things, they're actually coming from another dimension, another dimension of existence, another area of existence. And they, but, but here's the, here's a caveat. They all, all these different phenomena seem to use the same portals to get here. And this was revealed to me largely when we have had to go to certain neighborhoods and do investigations for whatever reason. Let's say there was a federal contractors were involved uh, and and therefore it becomes FBI business uh, that there was UFOs in a certain area, a certain neighborhood in New Jersey, let's say. And so we have to go to this neighborhood and start asking about about. the UFO sightings that happened right in this in this this one neighborhood that was very close to the airbase, okay, very close to the local airbase. Now, so we're all in there, and what will typically happen was we would go into a home and 
and they would say, oh, are you here about the uh, Bigfoot sighting that we called in? We called in in 911 and, and we've been calling the cops and they won't come and they won't talk about it. And uh, we, we, all, we all saw very clearly uh, a Sasquatch that uh, was in our door, that was in our door in our backyard. And we had this incredible experience uh, where it looked like it was going to hurt us, but then it didn't. And, and then we'd be like, no, we're not here about that. But you know, they, that's what they had to talk about. And then we go into another home and they would say, oh, are, are you here about when we uh, called 911 because we've got, we got sightings, we got, had conversations with our dead uncle who had been dead for two years. And he very clearly came into our, our four room, our, uh, our sitting room. And he was there talking with us. And we didn't know what else to do. We, we just panicked and we started calling 911, calling the police because we just, we just didn't know what to do because he was there and he was real and he was solid. And, and so like that, and then we go to other neighborhood, other uh, homes in that same neighborhood and they have other paranormal phenomena that occurred. And then finally, you know, you'd have people that did have contact with the UFOs. Sometimes they had contact with supposed alien visitors as well. But what I'm saying is there was only one portal in that neighborhood that night. There was just one. And yet it seems like, it seems like various different phenomena came through, came through and, and occupied the same area. Uh, geographically in our in our world. As a matter of fact, we actually talked with one family that asked their asked their uncle, who was a spirit, if he had anything to do with the UFOs that were in their neighborhood that night, and if he came from the UFOs. And their uncle, who was dead, uh, said to them, "I don't know what you're talking about. I have no idea." So these different phenomena apparently are not even aware of each other, except that they are apparently using the same portal, the same portal to come through. So go ahead, uh, Johnny. That, that sounds very similar to like the phenomenon that happened at Skywalker Ranch. Mm -hmm. Are you familiar with Skywalker Ranch? You mean Skinwalker? Is it Skinwalker? Okay, yes, yeah, Skinwalker Ranch. Sorry, Jeremy's background well, Skywalker's in my head. Different. <laughs> yeah, Skywalker's a little bit different, buddy. Yeah. <laughs> Lots of strange I, thought, I thought we were going to talk about Darth Vader here for a second. <laughs> I thought so too. No, no, Happy Skinwalker time. Ranch. <laughs> I'm sorry. Yeah, that's a very similar phenomena goes on at Skinwalker Ranch all the time, all the time. They have uh, they have UFO experiences uh, that then bleed over, bleed over into spiritual experiences, and it's it's crazy. It happens uh, constantly, and uh, also they have uh, they have the skinwalker uh, experiences that then bleed over into all kinds of other stuff. Because if you know what a skinwalker is, it's very, very frightening. It's the, it's, those are the crypto creatures that imitate humans and can imitate anything, really. Jeremy? Yeah, my question about that is, is, is that since it's all connected, but they don't know about each other, they're all using the same portals. Um, my question is like, um, do they... Do they um, interact with each other? Like, do you ever, did the, did anyone ever say they saw a Bigfoot, a Sasquatch, and a UFO all in the same day? I mean, that'd be horrible. I mean, in my opinion, that would scare scare me to death. But has any that ever happened to any of the people you you've talked to? No, I've never I've never seen that. Whenever a person uh, is in contact with one 
paranormal phenomena, it seems like that paranormal phenomena owns that space, takes over that space, and is basically is that space becomes dedicated to them. That's what it seems like because there doesn't seem to ever be crossover, like crossover on on our side of the plane uh, when we see these phenomena happen. Right. Thank you. Okay. That's that's going to be absolutely horrible being an FBI agent. If you go there and in one house you're investigating a ghost and then in the next house it's Bigfoot and then in the next house it's a UFO. Right. I mean, your report, right. would that be three separate reports or one report? But it doesn't matter. When you get that to your boss, your boss is going to be like, um, yeah, there's some kind of a gas leak in this area. or something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, and I have heard that before. Yeah, the bosses are not very happy. They're, they never get happy. Uh, they're not, they're not happy to hear about a single paranormal phenomena to begin with. So when it turns into multiple reports about many different types of phenomena and then Bigfoot starts getting involved, that makes them even unhappier. You know, that makes them even more unhappy. And a lot of them, you know, a lot of them just say, hey, we're going to have to make this a, an off the books project. We're going to have to, which is just another way of saying we're trashing. We're trashing all of this. It's just going in the, it's going in the trash. And so that's why a lot of my work ended up becoming off the books stuff that just never got into FBI files and never would see an FBI file. That's just the way it is. Um, I got a question then. How did your work wind up being on the X Files and actually influence the show, The X Files? Okay, I'll tell you that. I can tell you that real quick. Uh, when I was uh, when I was going through, uh, when I had, when I was in my early years in the FBI, I kept a book. I kept a book like this, a book like this, that was an OTB book, off the books, uh, where you keep the details of their files that are never gonna go into an FBI file, that are never gonna be classified. So you keep, uh, you record, you record in this book your notes from those cases. You write it up and you fill up a lot of these books and then uh, you put it down. Uh, and my book was actually uh, taken from me, taken from me uh, by a couple of FBI agents who were retiring and retired over to Los Angeles to be consultants for television and movies, which is a very common, common thing for FBI agents. And they actually took my OTB book uh, with all my notes and all my cases, and they shared it with people over there in in Hollywood. Yep, Jeremy. Okay. Um, my next question is like, um, since you you were dealing with all of these kind of paranormal things, has any of that ever come back to bite you in the ass? Like, has ever anything ever happened? Like, where the paranormal pe creatures, whether they be ghosts, spirits, Bigfoots, have they ever said, "Oh, we're going to go after John" because John's telling everybody how we're getting over there. So has it has it ever come back to like where, where they they take you know, like a, one of your friends or or they or they tried to, to hurt you individually? That's a that's an excellent question uh, because I have thought about that as well. But I feel I feel like I am in a protected status. I always have felt that. I've always felt that ever since I had my uh, that I am protected completely and insulated. Uh, and I have felt that ever since I had my, my childhood uh, experience where there was an attempted abduction of me as a child uh, when I was 10 years old. And it's the experience I talk about in the extra dimensionals 
where I had alien visitors that actually came into my home, that actually came into my home, uh, and they were they were a bunch of grays, uh, what you would what we call the classic grays, mm -hmm. and, and uh, they tried to take me. Uh, they were they were hauling away with me actually, uh, and I was just paralyzed in a paralyzed state. They carried me up. Uh, they passed, started passing through my ceiling of my bedroom. Uh, they started leaving and they weren't able to pull me through for some reason. For some reason, they, they had the ability to convert body matter into something more ephemeral, to convert it into something so that they could take it, so they could take it with them. But for some reason, it didn't work with me. And I was, they were unable to pass me through the ceiling. They were very confused by this and they kept on trying and it just weren't able to pull it off. And at some point, uh, the, uh, the head gray, the one that was in charge of the operation for that night, uh, looked up and told them, just forget it, cut it. And he pulled the plug and everything just, they disappeared and everything went back to normal in my bedroom. And that's, so ever since then, Ever since that incident, I have felt that I have an extreme protection and insulation from these matters. Do you do you know why? And do you have any theories as to why you have this kind of protection? Like, uh, um, I have to assume that on the other side, that there, there's going to be people that have, you know, equal equal training and stuff on, uh, like you have. Like, there's going to be guys on their team who are like assassins or 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 like um, have specialized training. You don't feel like any of those those uh, entities or beings are going to try to hurt you or, or influence what's happening around you? No, but since we can, we can talk about anything on this show. Sure. Yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you truthfully. I feel it's because I'm a, I'm a follower of Christ. Simple as that. Simple as that. And I have it as a real thing. It's a real living thing with me. Uh, and I feel like I wear that around me around me as a suit of armor and it actually and i believe in it i believe i'm a follower of christ from the perspective of that i believe that christ also created these other phenomena so it's not for so for me it's not from a religious viewpoint it's from a cosmic viewpoint you know god of one is god of all as far as i'm concerned so i really feel that's i feel i believe that that's where my protection comes from that's awesome. Um, John, I, I want to go back to the X-Files just for a second, if you don't mind. Um, yeah. So these guys, they took your book and they took some of your stories and they made them into X-Files uh, episodes. Which episodes yeah. did they use or which file or which stories uh, from your book did they make into X-Files stories? Uh, the whole first season. Have you, if you season. can, if you can recall the entire first season, uh, all of that was from my was from my OTB book. That's so, that's what it was. Whoa. Uh, yeah. So you're saying that the whole first season of the X Files is based on fact? Yes, absolutely. Well, no, not wow. just not just the first season. All of the the all of the uh, the the following seasons were all were pretty much 90% of them were all based on facts and factual stories. They they took them they took them all from real events uh, that occurred, but uh, but especially the first season, which uh, was from my material. Yeah, absolutely. Wow, that's 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 
mind blowing. Wow, I got to revisit the X Files. <laughs> yeah, it's pretty wild stuff. It it's pretty wild stuff. It is. Um, now I got to ask you another question about UFOs. I am very, very interested in UFOs. Um, and you are interested in Japan, so let's put these two these two worlds together. Um, what do you know about UFOs in Japan or Greys in Japan? Do you know of any phenomenon here? Well, what I know is whenever I'm watching Japanese news, uh, I I see I see UFOs being tracked and examined, and I see people I see newscasters talking about it like it's a real thing, like it's a real thing, and it happened. Uh, they don't uh, and 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 Japanese people also are they they're interviewed about UFO sightings and about uh, uh, possible alien visitors. And they talk about it openly, openly, like there's no no big deal. It's not, it's completely the opposite of what you see in the Western world, uh, where newscasters are assigned to, uh, you know, to ridicule, make fun of people that that believe in this sort of thing, or anybody that even talks about this sort of thing. I mean, look at what happened uh, with the Phoenix Lights that mm -hmm. occurred in 1997, and then again in 2008. Uh, where you had politicians that were in charge of organizing ridicule rallies, where they, where everyone was assigned to uh, say how stupid these idiots are, who are saying that the Phoenix Lights were an actual real thing, you know that's that sort of thing could never happen in Japan because the Japanese openly accept and discuss at least these these materials, and that's why that's why Japan is so important. To us well that's awesome yeah i know a couple of people that have seen ufos here i've never seen one but um yeah and they're firm believers in ufos so that's interesting one thing that i i, I have a real big question about ufos is if they can come here from other dimensions or from other other places in space universes galaxies whatever why don't they turn off the lights Turn off the lights? Yeah, when they're like hovering up in the at nighttime, they're like flying around. Why don't they turn off the lights? Like, I mean, if I was in, in a, if I was in a UFO, I would go to like stealth ninja mode. I would turn off all the lights so so nobody could see me. Why did they leave the lights on when they're flying around? I believe that uh, the majority of travel by UFOs uh, in our in our atmosphere is unseen. It's invisible. It's invisible. It's outside of our spectrum of light, uh, and we don't we don't see them at all. We just don't. Uh, and uh, but when they have their lights on, which is what you're referring to, it's when they want to be seen. It's when they want to make some kind of connection with human beings, and that's why they have their lights on, because that period of time when you see them is only a very I, I believe it's a very small portion of when they're actually here, because I believe they're here all the time. Jeremy? Uh, yeah, that leads into my next question. Um, I'm wondering, do you have any theories on why UFOs are, or any kind of super uh, supernatural phenomena is, is closely associated to water? Because even like the Tic Tac, the Tic Tac that, uh, that they're talking about on the news these days, that the um, F-18 Hornet caught on, on its, on its uh, tactical cameras, those are all around water. Everything's around water. Everything's everything's fucking with like uh, navy ships and stuff. So what, what's the connection to water? Well, I believe it's a larger connection because because uh, and this is this goes into other theories 
because hollow earth is real. Uh, inner earth is real. There's, if you go down in there, uh, usually through Antarctica, uh, there's whole other galaxies, not just, not just physical 3D space, but 5D space and other solar systems and galaxies down there. And so there's a very strong chance that a lot of the UFOs, or maybe all of them, uh, can be coming from that inner Earth area and coming up through the water, coming up through our volcanoes, as we have seen. We have seen them come up through volcanoes. We've seen them come up through water everywhere uh, and through other venues, through other venues from the Earth itself. And, and that, I believe, is a huge factor with authentic UFOs, real ones. Hmm. Going forward regarding UFOs, do you think that all first world countries are working with UFOs or just investigating UFOs? I think um, most, uh, I think pretty much all first world countries are working with UFOs, either with the, the ben beneficial ones or with the dark ones, because we do have both. Mm -hmm. We do have both. And we have countries that are part of a white, uh, white hat alliance of nations that are working to make our world a better place. Uh, but we also have the cabal nations that are working with the reptilians, working with reptilian aliens uh, to uh, try to destroy us for the most part. So there's a lot of that going on also. Yeah, Jeremy. Okay, um, I'll, I'm going to add to that question that Johnny just asked you. So, if we're working with good guys and bad guys, what what's the end game for them? So there's gonna you said there's there's guys that are helping us and there's guys that are trying to destroy us. So what's the end game? If they destroy us, I guess there won't be any. It's like any slaves or any anyone to worship them or something like that. But but if they give us all our technology, we'll be equal to them and then we can fight them. So like, what's their end game? The end game for the reptilians and the cabal is to destroy us, but they only want to destroy about four-fifths of humanity. They want to depopulate us down to such a small amount that is much easier to control as slaves and as prisoners. That's their end game. Uh, the end game of the, uh, of the White Hat Alliance uh, is to, of course, is to defeat that side of the, uh, of the uh, spectrum, to defeat them and to liberate us and to help us ascend into the next level of existence as our as our space brothers, whatever that you might want to call that. So it's like Star Wars. <laughs> yeah, I guess. The dark side. <laughs> right. Get the, yeah, right. Oh man. So all right, all right. A lot of people say that there's bases on the dark side of the moon. If there are bases on the dark side of the moon, would they be the good guys or the bad guys, in your opinion? Oh, well, yeah, there's there's definitely a uh, basis uh, there. Uh, all you have to do is ignore every single thing NASA has ever put out and go look at the work of a guy named Jose Escamilla. Jose Escamilla. Uh, go look at his work where he has taken uh, has taken a lot of the uh, the fake uh, satellite photos put out by NASA and he has reworked them, removed the filters and shown you the real structures that are there on the dark side of the moon. And it's obvious that there's there's bases and there's all kinds of other things 
on the dark side of the moon that are everywhere. And uh, I believe that there is, uh, uh, that now that it's been revealed that the moon is actually hollow and there's actually a lot of, and that was revealed to us about two years ago, that the moon is actually a hollow kind of shell. But I believe there's a lot of stuff inside of there and that there's probably actually a, a city, a city of sorts inside of the moon. But I believe that it's actually occupied by mechanical life, mechanical life, which is, it's hard for us to understand uh, sentient life that is, it's not biological like us. Mm -hmm. It's actually, for the most part, it's mechanical. Uh, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't have flesh and blood like we do, but it is sentient. It is, it has consciousness. And I believe because it makes it easier for them to survive uh, in the, where they are. And so, and they're wrapped up with the UFOs that move around on the moon all the time. All you need is a telescope to see that. People see that all the time. Uh, so, and I believe they are the ones that went out to the, uh, to the nations uh, in 1977, I believe, and told them, stop traveling to the moon. Don't do it anymore. Just don't. And I also believe that they are not, uh, they're not good guys or bad guys. I think they are just... They're a part. They are just their own thing. Uh, and uh, they're just, uh, uh, they just want to be left alone. And that's why they stop all uh, moon travel. Uh, for the Soviet Union, the United States, every major nation had to stop uh, travel to the moon. And now we have, we have certain nations that are saying that they're, they're traveling to the moon again, like China uh, did a short time ago. Uh, but uh, I'm not too sure I'm believing any of that that any of that is true. So that's where we are with that. Interesting. What about Mars? Mars, I do believe we uh, we do have colonies on there and we do have travel that uh, to Mars all the time, but I don't believe it's from, uh, I don't believe it's from rockets. <laughs> I believe we have, uh, according to information we've gotten from different sources, it looks like we have actual jump pads, jump pads, which are like these little, stage rooms uh, where or closets, uh, telephone booths, where people just walk in and they can be teleported over to Mars and teleported back. Uh, yeah, and those are the jump pads that we have. Uh, rockets, rockets are really a big theater, really, here on Earth. We're never gonna be using rockets to go from like planet to planet or anything like that. Rockets and the space program is used only to really dominate the upper atmosphere of the earth. That's all they care about. That's really what they care about. And that's all that rockets are really for and space travel. It's just for that. Because going from, from planet to planet is not practical. It's, just, it's not practical on any level. And that's why they're using the jump pad technology to travel to uh, Mars and back right now. Regarding Mars, uh, they found pyramids that are very similar to the pyramids in Egypt on Mars. Do you think that there is any kind of a connection between the two and as well as with, um, what's it called, Orion's Belt? Oh, yeah. It appears if you look at the, if you look at the ruins on Mars, uh, again, not staying away from the stuff, the, the fake propaganda you get from NASA mm -hmm. and trying to get it from other more reliable sources, uh, you can clearly see uh, the evidence of the uh, 
of the colonies that we have functioning there on Mars right now. And, uh, but if you look at the ruins, uh, you can actually see that it appears uh, that there was a time when Mars and Earth were functioning at the same time uh, with colonies that had, were very closely connected in Egypt and on Mars. And there's very similar, uh, as you said, pyramids. And you know, there's the face on Mars that looks very similar to the Sphinx, the Sphinx that exists on Earth as well. And there's a great, uh, there's a great investigator named Joseph P. Farrell, uh, Joseph P. Farrell, who uh, said it appears that there was a time in the past when there was a race on Earth and a race on Mars that were at war with each other and that apparently Earth won that war and somehow was able to do some kind of nuclear detonation of Mars and basically blow it up, blow up Mars and destroy that civilization that was on there. Uh, at least that's what it looks like from the ruins that exist uh, on Mars at this time. Now that's- well, we're talking, Yeah, <laughs> we're talking- we're talking way in the past. We're talking uh, before Adamite civilization. Pre-people. Uh, yeah, that's what it looks like. That's the reason why, uh, and that's the reason why uh, they tried to stop this movie, John Carter of Mars, if you ever saw that, which was based on H.G. Wells' work. H.G. Wells was, a, was actually, he was not writing fiction. He was writing real stuff real stuff that actually happened yes jeremy sir, it's sir arthur conan doyle it was uh, the same guy who wrote uh same guy who wrote sherlock holmes he did uh john from mars real john carter of mars oh yeah yeah oh, he, i thought he, it was sir well. arthur conan doyle. yeah hg wells did the h-bombs uh, he was the one that's credited for giving the h-bombs but yeah it's it's all mixed together my question he did journey to the center of the earth yeah go ahead yeah my question to you is like um so, like, since there was, like, that big war that happened, like, uh, did, is that, like, tied back to, like, uh, anything that's left, like, on Earth, like, any of our religious studies, anything like the Bible? Is that is there any any kind of evidence for that, like, that, that the layperson, the person who's listening to our, our podcast can go look up? Uh, not, not in the Bible. I, I don't believe there's anything in the Bible that they can, but, um, but as far as anybody being able to look that up, uh, you just... Uh, go to the writings of Joseph P. Farrell uh, and his book series called uh, Pyramids of Giza. Pyramids okay. of Giza. Uh, and uh, that's, that's um, he wrote like three books on that. And he cites all the evidence. He cites all the evidence that Mars appears to be a murdered planet, a planet that was, that some terrible weapon. And Joseph P. Farrell, uh, theorizes that all the pyramids on the earth were at one point used as some kind of death ray weapon, that they were all activated and they all shot some kind of world ending ray at Mars and basically devastated it and destroyed it. Whoa, we're living on yeah. the Death Star. Yeah, Very exactly. interesting. It's all, exactly. it's all connected, man. I guess that's where they're getting all the ideas for, for all the movies that come out, right? I mean, there there's little bits of truth that, that exactly. are that are like weaved into this into the fiction. 
Yeah, they're just channeling real life, real history. Uh, uh, and they're just channeling it and putting it in these movies. That's right. In Tokyo and craving soul food, we've got just the place for you. Soul Food House in Azabujuvan. Check out what we do at soulfoodhouse.com. Come by and taste the love. We look forward to feeding you. If you're going to get your fit on, you got to get your fit on in style. And that's why I use Ghost Town Palmade. Ghost Town Palmade is the number one badass palmade, and I practice what I preach. When I leave this house, if I'm not wearing a hat, if I'm not wearing a lid, I'm wearing Ghost Town Palmade in my hair. This stuff is amazing. It smells good, it looks good, and it feels good. Ghost Town Palmade, badass palmade. And let me tell you one thing comes in a lid. That's pretty badass. This whole world is so nerfed up these days. Everything is plastic and pink, but not Ghost Town Palmade. This stuff is a man's palmade, and it is hardcore. It's so hardcore, it's from Oakland, California. Oakland, California. That's right. Ghost Town Palmade. Get your feet on in style. Papa. Hey, yo, what's up, baiters? Johnny here. You know I love booze and news, but I also love art. So come on down to thespiltink.com and check my art out. I've got tons of stuff there for you to check out. And I've got paintings, I've got prints, I've got videos. And I tell you what, if you like a painting, I could probably sell it to you. And I tell you what, if I can't sell you that painting, I will definitely sell you a print. I've got prints of all my work. Prints are about 2000 n each, about 20 bucks. But if you buy two, you get the third one for free. So come on down to thespiltink.com. Yo, and on top of that, I'm looking for commissioned work. So if there's something that you want me to do, I can make it for you. Just check out my stuff and see if you like my style. And if you like my style, I can definitely paint you anything on canvas, paper, whatever. I've done it all. So come on down to thespiltink.com. That is T-H-E-S-P-I-L-T-I-N-K.com. Thespiltink.com. Prepa. Are you at Harajuku with some out-of-town friends or your family or significant others? Yeah! Do you want to chill and drink beer and eat sandwiches while your friends overpay for glitter unicorn socks? Yeah! And the flavor's gonna make you complete at Harry's Sandwich Company. So come on down to Harry's Sandwich Company in the heart of Harajuku, right off Takeshita Street. See you there! Yo, what's up, faders? It's your boy, Johnny. I have an opportunity for you. Well, in fact, I have 50 opportunities for you. A few years ago, I painted all 50 American states. And in each and every state, I painted in all major city names, the state's cultural icons, pop culture that pertains to that specific state, and a whole lot more fun, interesting, and educationally groovy stuff. The project took me over eight months to complete, and now they're yours forever. I have digital prints available for download on the Spilt Inks Etsy shop. These prints started off at about five bucks a pop, but not anymore. These high resolution prints are a dollar each. They're yours for a dollar each. So brighten up your walls and expand your mind with your favorite state. These prints are a dollar each. And they're worth so much more. These are these, these paintings are absolutely incredible. You're gonna love them. And if you don't like the state project, that's cool. That's cool. Johnny still has love for you. But check out the Spilled Inks Etsy shop to find all sorts of other wild art that will save your soul and blow your mind. So go down to the show notes 
for a direct link to the Spilled Inks Etsy shop. Go there, shop away, support the show, because we love you. And we love art, too. So, faders, without further ado, enjoy the show. Mitsuya Liquors. Yo, what's up, faders? If you're in Asia, if you're in Japan, if you're in Tokyo, if you're in Asagaya, you better get down to... Mitsuya Liquors. That's right. For the most affordable prices in Japan, you can get over 300 different kinds of beer. That's right, over 300 different kinds of beer. And, of course, they got all the shochu you need, all the sake you need, and, of course, they got wine from... California to Italy to France to New Zealand. They got it all. When I say they got it all, they really, seriously got it all. There's no joke about that. So get down to Mitsuya Liquors. And if you go in there and you say, got fit of Japan, you will be more than welcome to go into their back room and drink those beers that you just purchased. That's right. Got fit of Japan at Mitsuya Liquors. And three times a week, they have a sushi chef there. So get your sushi on, get your drink on, get your fade on, and come on down to Mitsuya Liquors, located comfortably in Asagaya. About five minute walk from the station. It's your liquors. All right, I have another question. Let me ask you about um, the Nephilim because, like, at one point, there, there there's a t- talk of, of gods and humans made in having offspring called the Nephilim. I'm sure you're familiar with them. Is sure. that also like um, the people that were on Mars, or is that different than than the, the race that was on Mars? It could be connected. I mean, because you know the. Uh, the giants that came from the Nephilim, uh, they they existed everywhere on Earth, basically, uh, and they're talked about in every culture. I mean, ancient ancient culture. Uh, they talk about the giants. They talk about the dragons, uh, which are Leviathan. Uh, they, you know, every single culture talks about that. So there's there's no reason that those giants uh, wouldn't have been transported to Mars to be used over there as well. Uh, that's that's. Uh, so that's uh, something that's very possible, as far as I can see. Very interesting. Okay. I've got an abstract question. Do you think that the reptilians are one way or another connected to the dinosaurs? Like, for example, oh. the dinosaurs are the reptilians' great, 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 great ancestors. Uh, quite similar to, like, how we're related somehow to, like, um, uh, primates and monkeys. Yeah, there was a, there was a great Irish writer uh, he just passed away, passed away like a year ago. Shoot, I wish I could remember his name. But he had, he was great. He was big into ancient archaeology as well. And he had a theory that uh, the reptilians uh, played with DNA the way, the same way that the Anunnaki uh, did. Uh, and the Anunnaki were just the same as the reptilians. They were elder god creatures uh, that, that came to earth and tried to create uh, slave races for them to manipulate and continue to, to create. But this, uh, geez, I wish I, I could remember this writer's name, uh, but his name was Joseph something, but he, uh, he theorized that if you look at all of creation uh, that was made by, by God, uh, by God the Father, it's all, there's such precision in the design such precision and beauty in the design like even if you if you go to how animals are how they function how they how they work uh how they procreate uh and you go look and it just doesn't match the way that the dinosaurs were created 
And he came to the conclusion that actually the dinosaurs were a manipulated creation uh, from the Anunnaki and the reptilians that actually created the dinosaurs to extinguish humanity, humanity and the earth, because we've had plenty of evidence, which is forbidden by mainstream culture, mm -hmm. uh, plenty of evidence that humans and dinosaurs did indeed exist, homo yes. sapiens, on the earth at the same time. Yep. And so he theorizes that if you look at all of dinosaurs, uh, I mean, all the species, it just doesn't fit that they were made by the same creator that made man and the animals. Uh, that just it just doesn't fit. They have too many defects, too many things wrong with the dinosaurs that it just looks like they were created by reptilians and made probably for the purpose of wiping us out, which maybe which they obviously didn't succeed in, and somehow we wiped them out apparently. Yeah, yeah, yeah that's that's true. Um, I, I think like a lot of coal, not a lot, but sometimes coal miners and people all over the world that are deep down in like coal mines and stuff find interesting things in coal, like like something that looks like a spark plug or a spring or some kind of a, a weird coin. Or in Russia, they found these weird train tracks, like these bizarre train tracks that have never been seen. Like this, they had like three rails or something that was in this coal mine and stuff. And they have something in coal, it takes like a million years. Like you can't just make coal, you know, coal doesn't like, you know, come from the sky or anything like that. Coal, it takes, it's a huge process that takes so much time, oceans of time to put something in coal. So for these coal miners to be digging and to be like, oh my God, I think I found a spark plug, <laughs> you know? So that definitely means that people have been around way longer than the dinosaurs, or at least like recorded history, at least. Right. Absolutely. You know, there's a, there's a movie uh, that's out right now uh, with uh, Christopher Pratt. Christopher Pratt, um, and I can't, I can't recall the title, but it's, uh, it's basically a movie that shows uh, a race of aliens uh, that came to Earth, and in order to wipe the planet clean, they created these, uh, these forms of dinosaurs called spikes, and they released them on the Earth, and they basically eliminated humanity. They, they, they they uh, it basically eliminated humanity uh, and wiped them out to extinction by just procreating so quickly and making themselves. Yeah, Jeremy. Uh, that movie's called Tomorrow War, and that's on. Tomorrow War. Yeah, that's an interesting movie. I like that movie. I like that movie a lot. It has a lot of truth, a lot of truth in it, that movie. Okay. As, as oh, all the movies do these days. Yeah. I want to I ask you about the future we've talked about the past and dinosaurs and whatnot in, in in mars let's talk about the future we talked a little bit about the end game of the good guys and the bad guys what do you think is going to happen with ufos and paranormal going forward will it all converge where where you know like uh just for an example like the end of uh end game where there's portals opening up everywhere and these things are just walking out how do you think that's going to play out well we're living through a plan right now that has many steps to it and, uh, and the plan is for, the, uh, for what I call the cabal, uh, the uh, elites, the elites that believe they're in charge of the earth, who really have been in charge of the earth for a thousand years, basically. Uh, and these elites, uh, they are they're going through a plan. Right now, we're in one of their world-ending plans called the pandemic. 
where they have this uh, largely, uh, largely fake, partly real virus that they're using uh, to attack the earth. And then they have the, uh, the real weapon, which is the vaccines that they are using against us uh, to, uh, try to try to wipe us out. Now, this plan is having a lot of success, uh, but if it comes apart, if it comes apart, they're gonna roll. Uh, they're, they're not gonna give up. They're never gonna give up trying to kill us all. Uh, and they're, they're gonna roll right into their next plan, which is fake alien invasion which is a plan they're getting ready. Even now, they're getting it ready. They're, they got a lot of media involved with it, uh, celebrities and, and politicians, and they're going to be getting rolling right into fake alien invasion, which is going to be real destruction, real destruction. And that's, that's going to be, you know, where they merge all of their end time plans uh, to try to get rid of us and destroy us. That's going to be the end game. Oh, gosh. When do, you, when do you see that happening? Is that soon or is that like uh, 50 years now? What do you, what well, it says as soon as this pandemic fails, as soon as the governments get smart, or, or not the I'm sorry, not the governments, the governments are compromised. Uh, as soon as the people get smart and start rejecting these lockdowns, uh, these, uh, these vaccines, uh, all this nonsense that's out there just to, to kill us all, uh, when that falls apart, as soon as that falls apart, the moment it does, uh, the moment that the majority just goes falls apart, then they're going to go into their final endgame plan, which is fake alien invasion, which could be, you know, we don't know when it could be. It could be any moment. Oh, God. And I got my 401k and everything established. I got to cash out right now, right? <laughs> sell all so, your stocks, sell your bonds. The end is near. <laughs> yeah. Buy Bitcoin, though. Buy Bitcoin. Buy Bitcoin. Oh man. Oh god, we can't Bitcoin, Bitcoin. will still be here. <laughs> Bitcoin. <laughs> Bitcoin is like the cockroach of currencies. <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Bitcoin, cockroaches, and Twinkies. That's all that's gonna be left. And like that's what, all that's gonna be left. That's it. <laughs> that's all right. I'm cool that's with Twinkies. Oh man. Twinkies. Yeah. Um, uh, we have a mutual friend, and uh, a mutual friend uh, told me some stories uh that you told her, and um she said that you investigated some interesting stuff after 911. Oh yeah. Could you tell yeah, us a little so, bit about that? Sure. When we were at well, the most the most interesting uh, stuff at at 911, of course, was that when we investigated those buildings that came down, uh, supposedly with jet planes uh, that went into them. Uh, we investigated those buildings. We investigated everything uh, that was in the ruins of. The, the Twin Towers, and there was not a single piece of a plane, of a passenger, of anything related to any planes inside the ruins of 9-11. So right away it became apparent to us that someone had been lying, deceiving, and uh, having us on, basically, uh, throughout that entire investigation. So that was the most shocking thing that we found out. But close a close second was the indigo kids of 9-11 that's which it. which was when uh all the law enforcement officers all the cops and fbi agents who were who were set up these intel centers to get any clues uh people call in any clues about uh 9-11 anything to do with 9-11 
just call us up and people started calling us about these uh these indigo kids these kids that had visions uh they they had uh they made arts and crafts they uh, expressed themselves to all their adults and caretakers about how 9-11 was going to happen in a couple of weeks sometimes in a month or two uh sometimes a few days from from that moment uh they predicted that 9-11 was going to happen and so people started calling in you know i i thought it was weird at the time but i didn't think about it until 9-11 happened and then i thought back wow what about this kid uh, this kid that knew 9-11 was going to happen you know maybe somebody should go talk to that kid so we had to talk to them we had to investigate them and whether their families could possibly be involved with terrorism so we did talk to these kids and sometimes it was a you know sometimes it was a a, a little boy that uh, talked to his uh, his teachers. Uh, we had, well, we had one little girl that was on a playground, playing by herself. Uh, and uh, she was just doing nothing. Uh, and the teacher's assistant came up to her and said to her, hey, you know, sweetheart, do you wanna, what's, is something wrong? You know, do you wanna, she was making traces in the, in the sand. Uh, and she said, you know, is something wrong? Are you okay? And the little girl said to her, no, I'm fine. I'm just thinking about things, that's all. And then the teacher assistant turned to walk away from her and the little girl grabbed her skirt and pulled it really hard and told her, tomorrow, make sure that you stay away from tall buildings because sometimes tall buildings fall down and they fall on top of people. Wow. And teacher's assistant was like okay that's weird but all right walked away from her and didn't think about it until 9-11 happened the next day the next day and then she remembered that crazy little kid that pulled on her on her skirt and, and said that to her well why why did she say that to her well we had to go talk to that little girl and uh we found out that she had had dreams she had had dreams and visions about uh tall buildings being set on fire, being set on fire and eventually falling down and the falling down on top of many, many people that were still in those buildings. And that was it. I mean, and then we, of course, we have to check out her family to make sure that they don't have any connection to terrorism. And then that all comes back negative. Uh, the kid's history comes back negative. Uh, the kids never had any weird incidents before that. And so then the only conclusion is that this is a power or genuine supernatural occurrence. So that's what we're looking at with these indigo kids. But that was repeated with dozens and even hundreds of other kids that had similar experiences. We had some, we had one little boy who did an arts and craft project. And the teacher went up to the little kid and uh, said, said, wow, that's really beautiful how these buildings, these buildings are glowing and you have these angels flying flying from the buildings it looks like with wings and uh it's really very uh, it's very beautiful uh and the little boy said those buildings aren't glowing they're on fire they're on fire and those aren't angels with red wings those are people and they're on fire and they're jumping from the buildings <laughs> so the teacher teacher just said whoa okay little boy you need to draw something new 
and you need to forget about this, whatever this is. And, uh, but then that teacher also contacted us about that little boy. And we had to go talk to that little boy about his arts craft project. And why did he draw that? And the little boy just says, that's what I saw in my head. And that's what I drew. Jeremy. Did you figure out a connection between the Indigo kids? Like um, they were all born on the same day or in the same hospital or any kind Mm -hmm. of connection? No, none of them were born on the same day or in the same geographic. This was very diverse group of kids in every way. Uh, there was no no real connection uh, between them. Like for instance, there would be those who, uh, those FBI supervisors who were more cynical among us who would say, oh yeah, all these kids are probably, they're probably of Arab descent, if you know what I mean. And you, know, you guys better look at their families real carefully. And uh, of course, that FBI supervisor was proven wrong because almost all these kids were white kids. Uh, some of them were black. Some of them were Asian. Uh, basically, I never saw an Arab kid involved with this. Uh, so that theory, you know, went out the window right away. Uh, but so, yeah, there was no real, no commonality, no common thread between all these kids that I could see. Wow. Except that they were young kids. That's it. What were you saying? So basically kids before before they go to puberty, they have like a third eye. Not all kids, but some kids, they're more sensitive than others. Mm. So yeah, so maybe that could be a commonality between them all because they all were, uh, for the most part, they were all less than 12 years old. I mean, they were all like really young, real young kids. So they were still in that phase. Yeah, that phase of ha- still having third eye, uh, still having that open, open uh, psyche that they say kids have. Uh, so yeah, they, they, that they did have in common for the most part. And that's yeah. an interesting point because that leads me to my next question. Um, so since all of these mm-hmm. interdimensional things are connected in your opinion, like, is there a way that we can contact them? Like I see people using Ouija boards, uh, you going to seances and stuff like that. Is that, Don't do that. is that legit? Don't do that. Jeremy, do that. please. Oh, no, I did it. Please. Oh, don't, don't do, don't do Ouija boards. Have you done Ouija boards? I got one right back I here. I did once. I oh, did. come on. Throw that away, Jeremy, please. Okay. Listen. Please tell me about that. Listen. Educate me. Educate me. Listen. There is a, um, there is a, uh, there are creatures that are, that are speaking of extra dimensional, uh, who are waiting in certain waiting areas on other sides of reality. Uh, and they are waiting for you to grab, to take that Ouija board and open up a, open up that portal uh, okay. so that they can, so they can come through. And that's, that is a real thing. There's a real thing. There's a, there's an actual, there's an actual entity that, that has been named all across the earth with Ouija board. <laughs> yeah. I don't even like to, I don't even like to say the name. Uh, out loud, but um, because you're not supposed to. But uh, yeah, that's right. And um, and that entity in particular, that entity is real, and it's very ancient, very powerful, and uh, it's not it's not something that you want to summon. So so yeah, so people should not mess with uh, things like Ouija boards or other things that can serve as as a portal. This. This whole area, this is all about portals. 
Uh, it's all about porn. And so we have to be very, very careful when we, uh, when we do things that can create these portals. Uh, so you want to do it in a white, what's called a white light fashion, portals of white light uh, through meditation, through positive things, uh, positive things like meditation, uh, like prayer, uh, things that will help you in a positive way to create positive portals uh, and not, not through, uh, not through instruments like the Ouija board. So if somebody okay. did summon one of these preachers, or whatever, uh, mistakenly trying to like contact grandpa or something, what would you recommend? Like salt church? Yeah. Uh, well, if, if the entity is already here, uh, if the entity is already here, then you need, uh, you need, uh, spiritual shamanic help i would get i would get uh, uh I, i've known over the years uh several genuine shamans uh shamans who are you know who are actually uh who are actually white people white guys who have acquired those traditions and they're very good with those traditions and they can actually do uh the cleansing that's needed cleansing that's needed uh but you have to go research that stuff and find those guys. So no Ouija sure. boards, Bader. Stay away from that shit. <laughs> get Please. garbage, burn it, get it away. Bury it in the backyard. <laughs> Stay away. <laughs> oh man. Please. Um. All right. I, I've got a question regarding uh, missing four one one. Are you familiar with David Pilatus's work? Boy, am I ever. Uh, he was at my home recently. What? Uh, he filmed. He was filming me for one of his. Come upcoming documentaries, what? and uh, and as a matter of fact, that's so funny that you that you actually brought that up because he just sent me a message on my phone as you were speaking. Uh, he just sent me a message. David Polites did, uh, and by the way, I I love David Polites. I teach presentations all over the world about mm -hmm. true investigation and what real investigation is and how to do it. And I actually teach lessons to investigators uh, to qualify them as para investigators. And I always use the example of true investigators. I always use David Polites as one of the examples. And I show his work. I show his work. I show clips from his movies uh, because David Polites is, is one of, and there's other people as well that qualify. David Polites is a true investigator. Uh, he is a person who shows us how to, how to use our assessment of the true nature of things, how, how things really act in their own environment. For instance, uh, adults, children, how do children act? And what is their true nature? Um, animals, how do animals act in their own? How do alien visitors? Well, the alien visitor part is mine, but, um, but you have to go into, you have to be able to show what is the true nature of things so that you know when there's deviation from that nature? And that helps a lot of investigations. Anyway, David Pilates just sent me a message just a second ago, just like a few seconds ago, something about a retired FBI agent said 19 hijackers. Whoa, some FBI agent just said that 9-11 was a farce, was, a, was, oh shoot, I gotta find out what that's all about. Uh, some FBI about that. <laughs> some FBI agent just went out on CBS News and said retired FBI agent Danny Gonzalez 
just said that 19 hijackers cannot commit mass murders of 3,000 people by themselves. It's not possible. And uh, and demand so he wants transparency for the families of what really happened. Wow. You know that guy? Uh, I don't. I'm not sure. Danny Gonzalez. I don't think so. I don't think so. Uh, but um, it sounds like something I would do. So, okay. <laughs> so I'll have to look into that uh, later. But anyway, Dave Pilates just sent me that and wants to know what I think about that. Um, but yeah, Dave Pilates is amazing. He's fantastic. I recommend uh, anybody who wants to know what a real investigator sounds like and what they really do, you got to go listen to David Pilates' work. Nine one, uh, sorry, four one one missing. Mm-hmm. All of his series, all of his movies, his books, four one one missing. Seminal work, and uh, you know now we're getting we're getting information that uh, Bill Gates and uh, the uh, and the child molester guy who was uh, who was executed recently. Uh, Epstein. That they, sorry, his name is Epstein. I think that was the yes. Guy. Yes, the Epstein and Bill Gates used to work together in the national parks to kidnap kids. What? Uh, yeah, we're getting some intelligence on Epstein? that. Epstein? Epstein. Epstein wow. and Bill Gates were actually working together to kidnap kids in national parks. And Does that's something I actually... Together or they you guys are... Yes, exactly. Exactly, yes. Driving around together with their groups or whatever they whatever they use. I always you know, uh, at least planning, planning in the planning stages of it. So that's something I have to actually talk to David Politis about. Uh, so I'm glad that he uh, he actually contacted me. So yeah. yeah, his work is fantastic, and he's a he's a you know he's a former uh, big city detective yes, uh, for 20 years. Uh, mm-hmm. So he he just has that investigative sense down packed. It's really really amazing. Yeah, his stories are mind blowing. Um, I've I've read uh, one of his books, read through it, and I've seen many of his presentations and interviews and stuff. And uh, yeah, uh, the stuff that he uh, he investigates and explores is just wow. It's it's flooring to be honest. Uh, how people just disappear in natural parks all the time. You know, you're you're walking around with like a kid, uh, your son or daughter, whatever, and then for like within a second they're just gone they just disappear they evaporate and uh, you can people just can't find them sometimes families families just disappear and stuff i mean the natural parks not in not in just in the united states but all over the world and some people just disappear in natural parks i do not go anywhere near trees anymore i'm a city guy born and raised city guy i mean you know we've got dangerous areas in detroit and san francisco and tokyo but i stay away from those areas this is the part of the jungle you don't go into but man, yeah, forest, natural forest these days, uh, a little bit uh, eye-opening. Absolutely. Jeremy, what's that? Oh, yeah. Um, going on what Johnny just said, there's also the opposite stories. There's there's stories of like kids who disappeared and then suddenly they end up on a mountain. There's no way they could have climbed that mountain by themselves. A little five-year-old Johnny or whatever ends up, on, they find him. <laughs> not me. Or whatnot on a, <laughs> Leave on a me out of this. Not you, <laughs> not you but. Another another Johnny, they find him dehydrated up on a mountain, but still alive. And he'll say some weird story like a bear protected me. I just read a story about that. Like a bear protected me while 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 mommy and daddy were searching for me or something like that. And then everyone was like, what's this kid talking about? And it's an interesting th- thing because that, that in itself, even though 
even though it's no UFOs or no ghosts involved, that's still kind of supernatural, isn't it? Absolutely. And also we've had uh, some stories uh, that really uh, segues into Bigfoot is possibly extra dimensional in nature as well, uh, because we had, uh, we had a, there was a little girl that actually survived her, her uh, time in the national park. Uh, and she's like, well, like four or four years old, something like that. And she described uh, being taken by a great, a great giant, a giant man-like creature uh, that had a beard that covered its entire body. So the beard went, covered the whole body. It took the little girl, it peeled off her clothing, not as a sexual thing, but because it felt like the clothing was unnatural, unnatural. So it just took off her clothing. It wrapped her up in its arms, carried her, and he said, carried her into like a crystal city, like some kind of city made of crystal and took her there for a little while. And it was like the cave entrance toward the city. But then after a while saw that she was shivering and uh, just uh, took her back, instead of taking her into the crystal city, took her back out and just left her outside. And luckily she was found before she died of exposure. Like a lot of these kids do. A lot of these kids end up dying of exposure, and uh, she, she was found. And then it seemed like she was transported both times, transported into something like a dreamlike uh, state, and then came back out of the dreamlike state when he brought her back from the Crystal City and, and just left her out there. Uh, so to me, this sounds like uh, something mitigating towards the existence of a Bigfoot creature that tried to transport this little girl and that just decided against it at some point and just delivered her back. And that's what it sounds like to me. But, you know, but David Pilates doesn't like to, um, you know, he likes to just show evidence and he doesn't like to like name any theories. Yeah. Like I just did. Like I just did. Right so that's yeah. just the way it is. Yeah. Um, I got a question. Yeah. Now you've investigated ghosts, supernatural, UFOs, aliens, all sorts of stuff. Have you ever investigated something that was just too shocking where you had to say to yourself, wait, stop, this is absolutely insane. Is this real? Is it real? Um, well, first of all, I I always believe, the reason I'm, I'm perfectly qualified to be me is because I always believe everything's real uh, uh, because I'm just trained that way from childhood. Uh, I, I accept the reality of all things. The only uh, thing I, I have a hard time believing is the lengths of government corruption when we were investigating, you know, like mass murder, basically. And then we were told, you can't investigate that anymore. You, you got to turn back you got to put away your invest. And this was told not just to me, but to all other investigators that were working with me too. And we were just told, forget about that. Uh, don't look at it anymore. Uh, it's not for your consumption and this stuff can't be revealed. And that's very similar to what I, what I and many investigators experienced at uh, flight, uh, flight TWA 800. Like TWA 800, if you guys want to research that one. Yeah, that's uh, very similar. 
And uh, we've had other incidences like that too, uh, where government corruption just, it was just off the charts and just like, wow, this is what we're living in right here. It's amazing. Yeah, John. So um, in your FBI work, I'm going to continue that line of question. In your FBI work, do they use psychics and, and mediums and stuff like that? Or do they use, uh, I don't want to bring up Ouija boards again, but other other ways of like uh, of, 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 of investigating? I'm, I'm, I've got one behind me, man. It's freaking me out. Uh, I know, man. It's it's freaking me too. <laughs> yeah, do, they, do, they, do they use uh, other, other methods? Like not just old gumshoe yeah. stuff, like, you know, like, you know, interviewing people but do they use other methods like that like you see on tv like you see psychic detectives and yeah stuff? absolutely yes jeremy uh the fbi has used uh psychics uh channelers remote viewers uh all kinds of people that have spiritual powers beyond our understanding and uh yeah we do use them but it'll be they'll be used in a in a, the capacity of a private contractor uh, a private contractor uh independent contractor that does not go up the chain of authority let's put it that way uh it could be used as a as a compartmentalized thing okay as a compartmentalized thing because we're so desperate desperate to solve this particular crime whatever it happened to be um uh, and uh and if you get my books uh the power investigators and the extra dimensionals i talk about a couple of those incidences in there where we did have to resort to uh to spiritual practices and that that usually never goes up the chain really never goes up the chain and it remains deniable okay deniable so that if the, if the newspapers right. find out that we're using this psychic uh we can we can just say uh sorry that it never happened it just never happened that's how it happens that's how right. it goes yeah uh, any any cases that you can that you can talk about? Like uh, I don't want you to give away the the farm for free. Don't tell us what's in the book, but like maybe something that's not in the book that you know that you have a a, a story you can share with the listeners. Well, I can I can tell you the story that is in the book, uh, the Power Investigators, uh, where I give the story of uh, the investigation we did to capture uh, the Unabomber, uh, the Unabomber, who's one of the most successful serial killers in American history. He was killing people. He was blowing people up for 19 years, 19 years. So we in the FBI have a lot of pressure on us to find him, to find him, to uh, capture him, as well as the many, many task forces of police officers and FBI agents across the country. Uh, we had a lot of pressure on us to find him. So what we finally did was, and I described this in my book, The Power Investigators, we uh, finally, we started getting together in, in meditation sort of uh, channeling groups where we we tried to channel the identity of the Unabomber to find out who he was. And we got a lot of data from that. We got a lot of data. You know, some guys got uh, information that he was living in a forest, living in a forest that just didn't help us that much. Uh, another guy got information that he was living in a log cabin, a log cabin uh, in a forest again. Again, that right. didn't really help us too much. Other guys got information about the clothing that he would wear. Uh, but, you know, nobody got to see his face. You know, that's what we really needed. Uh, nobody, but what happened was this. At one point, we, we did one of these meditation channeling groups and we ended up somehow contacting uh, the Unabomber's 
brother who was himself a meditation yoga teacher, a meditation yoga teacher. He had his own yoga center uh, somewhere. And so we ended up somehow contacting the Unabomber's brother. He received the download that his brother was Unabomber uh, from that contact and that he had to turn his brother in right away or else there will be more murders uh, from that. And he, act, he actually went and he acted on that information shortly after that. And we found out later that our, our efforts actually had that, that positive result with the Unabomber's brother because he turned him in right away. That yeah. leads me to another. That leads me to another question. Um, so it seems like to me, uh, I, I don't have any experience with any kind of supernatural thing, but it seems to me like that supernatural stuff doesn't give you like a direct answer. It kind of goes in a roundabout way, and then finally it, it lands. Why doesn't it just go? Ted Kaczynski, bro, lives back there in in in, in this these forests in this log cabin, and then I don't know. I'm not being I'm not being rude or or, or like stupid here. I'm just asking that question. Why doesn't it? Why doesn't it give a direct answer? Because that's not their way. It's not the way because we're we're thinking about we're considering higher intelligences, uh, greater intelligences that want us to go through certain things. They want us to go through certain things and live a certain way. So they don't want to give us the whole answers to, on that are on the test. They want us to go through go through the test ourselves. That's why. If it's easy, you don't learn. Exactly. Exactly. That's why everything's so damn difficult, Jeremy. That's why. Okay. <laughs> yeah, it's always a question I've had in the back of my mind for every time I watch like uh, X-Files or any, anything like that. I was like, why doesn't he just say, oh, that guy right there, he, he did it, you know? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. Absolutely. I know what you mean. Absolutely. Yeah. John, I know I know we don't have too much time left, but I, I want to ask you um, just as one of my last questions. Has an interviewer interviewed you for a long time and just not asked you the question that you want them to ask? No, I, I've never I've never had that experience at all. You're like, come on, ask me a question because you don't want to just like start talking about something random. You want somebody to ask you a question that kind of leads uh, them and uh, their listeners or whoever down a path of something that you want to discuss or talk about? No, I don't think that's ever happened. I mean, unless maybe like uh, I had a, a new book at that moment uh, and they just and they just skipped over that particular book at that moment. That's that's about it. But uh, that's easily remedied by putting the links in the uh, interview. So that's absolutely. Don't be absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, Jerry. Right. I'll go with my last question, too. So we've yeah. talked a lot today about supernatural things and like um, ghosts and UFOs. What's what scares you the most? What 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 scares you out of that that whole supernatural realm the most? In the supernatural realm, what scares me the most are the uh, are these reptilian entities that are working with the cabal to bring about our destruction. Uh, because I see their plans working all the time. And I see them working so closely uh, with our elites and our elites just put it right in your face. And, uh, and they're, having, they're having a lot of success. They're having a lot of success. Uh, so that, that those entities 
the worst entities that you can think of, uh, those are the ones that really uh, uh, scare me the most. Very interesting. Thank you. Wow. Okay. Well, um, John, I want to say thank you. But uh, before we say goodbye, I want to talk about your books. You've got three amazing books. And uh, the one that I want to pick up immediately is The Clear Hearers. It's your latest book. And um, yes, it seems extremely fascinating. Could you tell us briefly a little bit about your three books and where to get them? Yeah, my, my books are, uh, and The Clear Hearers is really, really out there. Yeah, and it's, it's pretty fascinating. But uh, my books are The Power Investigators, uh, where I, I talk about um, uh, I talk about the uh, the investigations that I have done over the years and that I have seen uh, from others as well that go into these uh, these uh, real life X Files, and, and that's uh, that's uh, the best description of the Power Investigators. I have the uh, Extra Dimensionals, uh, which was like a huge bestseller on all every list. Uh, and the extra dimensional is just the explanation of who alien visitors really are, what they're up to, and why they need us so much, because they really do. And uh, it's uh, and then uh, the clear hearers is just an explanation of a supernatural ability that we already have, that we already have. We just yeah. need to develop it, uh, uh, inculcate it more in our in our persona, and use it, use it, practice it. And uh, it'll it'll give us some incredible uh, benefits. And those are my English speaking books. But I also have a couple of books in uh, in Japan and uh, in Japan for the uh, people of Tokyo. I want them to know it's it's Japanese language books, uh, which are which are titled uh, uh, "The Truth Is Out There," Volume One. And my second one is "The Truth Is Out There," Volume Two. And it's it's on Jap it's on Japan Amazon. It's on Japan Amazon. Uh, under my name, John D'Souza, uh, spelled D-E-S-O-S-A, because they, they misspelled my name. Oh, no. <laughs> on Japan, on Japan oh, Amazon. No. Uh, typical. So, yeah. So that's, uh, it's under there. And I'm having a third one, a third book uh, in Japanese language, which is going to be uh, The Truth is Out There, Volume 3. Volume 3. And so that's, that's coming out uh, like next month. Yeah, Jeremy. That's that, that's what I was going to ask you. When can we get our hands on that that one? Because I bought your other book. I bought your uh, dimensional ones, which which is a really interesting read, and I recommend that one. But uh, I want Ooh. I want this new one as well. Oh, but these are Japanese language only. I can read it. I, I, oh, I'll good. Yeah, yeah. Oh, good. Yeah. So my uh, my uh, my uh, book, uh, the uh, truth is out there, volume three, uh, is coming out uh, next month. Yeah, in October. And it's coming out on uh, it's coming out in paperback and in Takoban hardcover. Nice. Takoban hardcover as well. Nice. And nice. so that should be it's going to be some pretty wild stuff in there uh, for my Japanese friends. It's going to be pretty amazing. Fantastic. And faders, all of this information is going to be in the show notes. All the links are going to be in the show notes. So if you're listening to this right now, which obviously you are. Go down into the show notes and explore this amazing world. Definitely get involved, listen, read, explore, learn. Um, this is fascinating. This is absolutely fascinating. This is probably one of my favorite podcasts so far. I mean, this interview has been um, just mind blowing. I'm, 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 John. Thank you. I'm speechless. Johnny is speechless. What? <laughs> this is crazy. Um, yeah. Thank you so much, Jeremy. Is there anything else you want to say? 
Yeah, I'll tell the faders the same. I'll back up what you said. Uh, the same thing you just said. Go out there, get his books, look into this. Mm-hmm. If you're skeptical, keep an open mind. Uh, it's better to read everything and then make a decision instead of just like closing yourself off and you know saying, "Oh, I don't believe that." Read everything, get all the information, and then then make your decision. Uh, that's what I do. So uh, yeah, go out there, get John's books, and watches watches the video videos that are out there on YouTube, and uh, yeah, enjoy yourself. Absolutely, and then you can put it up on Jeremy's wall too, next to his other stuff. That's, that'd be really cool. Also, if you sign it, only if you sign it. <laughs> I'll sign it for sure. I also have at uh, Voice Inc. is a company that I work with out of Tokyo. Uh, Voice Inc. Uh, is uh, is also where I have several seminars in Japanese language as well. Well, they're translated into Japanese language as well, and so people should check those out as well. And uh, it's that's what it is. And uh, I can't wait to uh, go there and visit you guys in person, Johnny yes. and Jeremy. Yes, absolutely. That's going yeah, to be wild. That's going to be wild. So that's I'm looking forward to that. Thanks so much, guys. It's been awesome. Oh, awesome. Man. Stuff. Thank you so much. On that note, faders, thank you very much for tuning into this very, very special episode of Got Faded Japan. Um, support the show. Go down to our Patreon. Uh, sign up for our Patreon. It costs you $5, which is pretty much like buying us a beer every single month. It's not that much. And if you sign up for the Patreon, we do have the Patreon raffle. We've got so many goodies in the raffle box, which one lucky fader will win. Uh, this week in the raffle box, we have one, two, three, four, five. Five CDs from underground Tokyo bands. You can only get these bands and their music from this raffle. You can't get this stuff from the internet or anywhere else. I went to the shows, I got the CDs, and I'm putting them in the box for you. So please sign up and win, win, win. Also, we've got iTunes. Sign up for iTunes. <laughs> sign up for iTunes. Go to iTunes and give us a five-star review and rate something groovy about the show. It really helps us out. Jeremy, wh- where else are we on the internet? We're, we're in a couple other little locations. We've got YouTube, Facebook, Instagram. We've got TikTok. We've got everything, anywhere that they will let us talk about this show. And also we have you, Faders. We want you to share the show with your friends. If you have a friend who's interested in UFOs, ghosts, and interested in John's work, please share this show with them. And let's get the word out there. 110% 110% agreed. Um, gentlemen, thank you very much. Faders, thank you very well, much. Well, brother, a goddamn shit doesn't vampire. Well, you wait till mom finds out, buddy. I've got a government job to abuse and a lonely wife to fuck. As far back as I can remember, I always wanted to be a gangster. How the pressure? I can't take it. I can't take it. I can't stand to it. You sure I should use, man? We're good! Freaky! We came, we saw, we kicked his ass! Your move, creep. Man, I will never forgive your ass for this shit. This is some fucked up repugnant shit. Ah, fuck it, dude. Let's go bold.